we're so glad that you're here today, thankful that you've chosen to be out in this weather that uh, is so rainy and uh, promises to have some more rain this week. We've had it yesterday and the day before, and, but it's dry here in the Lord's house, and we are so thankful that you have chosen to be here with us this morning. As many of you know, most of you know, Valentine's Day is this week, and so generally, you know, when we talk about Valent or talk about uh, lessons in the, the month of February, close to Valentine's Day, we talk about things in regard to couples, and so we're going to do that today, in, in a certain way. But what I want us to do to begin our lesson this morning is we're going to play a little game. Now, if you're married, I want you to play this game. If you've ever been married, I want you to play this game. If you ever hope to get married, I want you to play this game. And the rest of you just join in and play along for fun with us. We want to play a game. Now, there's five things that we're going to do, five questions that we're going to take. And, and you don't have to fill out anything yet on your bulletin, so just play along with the game. Let's, let's just get started on it. I, I want you to think about your spouse or your future spouse or whatever and pretend that your spouse is angry with you, okay? Now, I look and I see some of you say, well, I don't have to pretend. Well, I just want you to pretend this morning. I want you to pretend that your spouse is angry with you. Now, you may have done something to make your spouse angry at you. I don't know. Sometimes it just happens this way that that one spouse seems to be angry with the other spouse, and, and that spouse doesn't have a clue. I don't know why my wife is angry with me, but, you know, you have that anger that is there. And, and I think that may be a common thing in marriage, that you have people who, who sometimes get on each other's nerves for one reason or another. We just become angry. Now, I just want you to pretend that your spouse is angry with you this morning. I also want you to pretend, maybe your spouse is not angry with you, but I, I want you to pretend that your spouse is just being stubborn. Now, again, perhaps some don't have to pretend. I don't know. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. But I want you to pretend this morning that your spouse is just being stubborn. They're not even willing to listen to your point of view. They don't want to hear what you have to say. Or they're bound and they're determined to do something or not do something that you want them to do or don't want them to do. They're just being stubborn. Can you pretend that way? You may know somebody who's stubborn if you're not married, but just pretend that your spouse is being stubborn. Number three, I want you to pretend this morning that your spouse is being surly. And what do you mean by surly? Well, when we think about somebody who's being surly, we probably best put it in this way. They're in one of their moods. You know, they get into this mood where, where uh, they're perhaps even uh, unkind or rude or something like that. Uh, being surly means things like, sort of like this woman in the picture, you roll your eyes when you say something and, and you hear that. You know, just pretend that your spouse is being surly this morning. Number four, pretend that your spouse is being condescending. What do we mean by being condescending? Well, they're hardly acting as though they are superior to you for some reason or another. They're more intelligent than you are. 
the argument may go something like this. Well, I should have known. Or, or you're such a joke. You know, just pretend that your spouse is being condescending. Number five, pretend that your spouse this morning is being selfish. Just pretend that your spouse is being selfish. You know, they don't really care how you feel as long as you serve them while giving nothing in return. They're just being selfish. Uh, perhaps they think it's okay to manipulate you and exploit you in order to get what, what they want. Just pretend that your spouse is being selfish. Now, here's the game part that I really want you to think about. In any of these five situations, what is your response going to be? In any one of those five situations that we put on the screen this morning, what is your response going to be? Before you answer that, I suggest it may be good to go and see brother and sister, uh, sister Sally Kimbrell. I don't know if you realize it or not, but this past week they celebrated their 66th wedding anniversary. They know something about marriage to make it last that long. I don't understand how they've been married for 66 years. I mean, both of them are only around 39 years old, but they're claiming 66 years of marriage. It may be good to find someone who's been married a long time and had a long and happy marriage to find out how to respond. But I'm asking you to play that game this morning. How would you respond to any of these situations? Well, the natural and most common response is to react in kind. In other words, we sometimes say that we're going to give him or give her what they deserve. That's the language that we use. If you're being angry with me, what will I do? I'll turn around and I'll be angry with you. If you're acting in one of your moods, I'll get in one of mine. If, I'm being, if you're being condescending, then I think I'm smarter than you, so you know, I'll get into, into one of those things. You know, if you're being selfish, I will too. We act in kind or react in kind, and we say that we're going to give our spouse what they deserve. I want you to think about this morning for just a moment uh, an old Swedish proverb. have it on the screen for you this morning says, love me when I least deserve it, because that's when I really need it. Now, that's not an inspired proverb from God, but there's some truth in that. Love me when I least deserve it. What does it mean to deserve something? Well, think about the definition of the word deserve. The word deserve is defined as to be worthy, to be fit, or suitable for some reward or requital. To be worthy, fit, or suitable for some reward or requital. When we think about deserving things, generally we think about someone who is going to give us something good. And in reality, that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about giving our spouse what they deserve, something that is indeed good. And so, as we think about it this morning, how, how is it that we can discuss that? Preacher, are you going to sit up here and give us a list of things that we write down and talk about and that our spouse will deserve? Well, probably not. That's not exactly the way we want to approach this lesson. But here's what we want to do. I want us to think about it from this standpoint. 
I want us to understand that that uh, I want us to understand that the PowerPoint is not working again. <laughs> it has ceased on us there, and it is jumping around. Nope. All right, here we go. I'll tell you to fill in the blank when it comes time. All right, being deserving is not always based on what one does. As we think about that, that's one of your blanks, what one does. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Acts chapter 26 at verse number 31. Acts chapter 26 at verse number 31. You may say, what in the world does this verse have to do with marriage? But I'll seek to show you that in just a moment. In Acts chapter 26 at verse 31, Paul is standing before King Agrippa, uh, Festus the governor, and King Agrippa's wife Bernice. They've heard what Paul has to say about becoming a Christian. And they get up and they leave and they get in their huddle and they start discussing things. And when they discuss Paul, here's what they come to realize about him, Acts chapter 26 at verse 31. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. The word that's translated deserve in that passage is much like our English word deserve. In the original language, it literally means to be suitable or worthy. It's used 38 times in the New Testament. And for example, it's used in 1 Timothy chapter 5 at verse number 18 where the Bible says that the Scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. And so we understand a little bit about what the word deserves means, the word that's used here in this passage. I'll give him what he deserves. But not only do we see the word deserve in the response that is being given to uh, about Paul, we see that they say that he is doing nothing to deserve death or punishment, imprisonment. The word doing literally means to perform repeatedly, to practice something. That's what the word itself means. But add to that, and it's interesting, add to that that this word is in the, uh, in the original language, a verb which indicates continued action itself. And so what uh, we're being told here by Luke in Acts chapter 26 is that Paul himself kept on performing repeatedly, practicing nothing that was worthy of, uh, of death or imprisonment. Paul's life, nothing about his life, nothing about what he was doing, his daily activity, everything that he was doing pointed to the fact that he should be acquitted, that he should be turned loose to go and to preach the gospel. That's what these people are saying about him. The word nothing means not one, not even one, none, ought. He's not done one thing that would cause him to be deserving of death. And so here, here's what I want us to grasp. Paul's continued and repeated actions, there's your word, were not consistent with one who was suitable for, worthy of, deserving of capital punishment. 
His actions did not deserve that. Now, obviously, in Scripture, there are some actions that are deserving of capital punishment. As a matter of fact, Paul said in the book of Acts chapter 25, just one chapter earlier, after his arrest, he says, If then I'm a wrongdoer, and I've committed anything for which I deserve death, deserve to die, I do not seek to escape it. He tells them, if I've done anything to deserve it, then I will accept my punishment. Some, indeed, implied by that, are deserving of capital punishment. Paul not only says it, but he writes about it in Romans chapter 1 at verse 32. When he talks about the Gentiles and all of the sins that they had committed and were continuing to commit in their life. And he says there in Romans 1 at verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. There were some who deserved to die, but Paul's actions was not, well, Paul was not one of them. His actions acquitted him. And though he would eventually be executed, nothing Paul did, not one thing that he did, caused him to deserve death. Now understand something this morning. We're not seeking to justify, there's your blank, we're not seeking to justify bad behavior on the part of a spouse. That's not what this lesson is about. We're not seeking to justify it. However, our point is, our behavior, there's your next blank, our behavior is not always what makes us deserving or undeserving of something. Folks, spouses must not be angry without a cause. They must not be stubborn or surly or condescending or selfish. We all understand that. We know that's not how to act in a marriage. As a matter of fact, we know that's not how to act, period, whether we're married to someone or not. That's just not the way we do things. And so we're not seeking to justify that. But here, even if they are these things, they do not deserve to be treated with anger, stubbornness, subtleness, condescension, or selfishness in return. Just as Paul did not deserve to die, he hadn't done anything worthy of death, there are times when even when, when things are done that people are not deserving to have things, actually, none of the time are they deserving to have us treat them in kind, but there are some things that they are deserving of. So our main point that we're looking at is this, being deserving is not always based on what one does. But also, I want you to think about this. Sometimes one who is deserving, uh, one is deserving simply because of who he or she is. They're deserving simply because who they are. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 24, we find the story of a man who had two sons. You know the story quite well. The younger son came and he said to his father, he said, divide your goods out, give me my share of the property and what's coming to me. 
The father did that. He went, this young man left home, and he went and he squandered his property. And the Bible says reckless living, English Standard Translation. When he found all of his money was gone, he had to get a job. The only thing he could get was feeding pigs. And so his employer sent him out into the field to feed the pigs. That wasn't a good thing for Jewish boys to do. Uh, But not only that, it seems that this job didn't pay very well either because he wasn't even getting paid enough to eat. He found himself even there (coughs) hungry and wanting to eat what the pigs had. And you know that while he was there, he came to himself and he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's what I'm going to tell my father. I'm not worthy to be called your son. (coughs) Just treat me as one of your employees. He said, you know, if I was working for Daddy, if I was just back at home and not in the position of a son, Daddy would pay me well enough to eat. He treats his his employees better than what I'm being treated now. (coughs) So he says, I've made up my mind. I'm going to go home and tell him, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Verse 21 of Luke chapter 15 says, The son, after coming home, said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now what's interesting is the word worthy in both of those passages is the same word that's translated deserve in some of the others. Literally what the son is saying, I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. Even my actions prove that I don't deserve to be called your son. And so he said it before he got there and he said it when he got home to his father. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve to be called your son. No longer worthy. But you know what the father's reaction was? The father's reaction was to hug him, to kiss him. The father's reaction was this. My son was dead and is alive again. My son. The father didn't call this man some guy. The father didn't call this man some hoodlum some deadbeat that has blown all of my money. This father didn't react in that way. This father said, My son was dead and is alive again. You see, the father treated him like a son deserves to be treated. Uh, The son said, I don't deserve it. But the father thought differently. And thus he treated him as a son deserves to be treated. What did he do? He dressed him well, put a robe and shoes on him. He he gave him the proper authority, put a ring on his finger. He provided the best, they killed the fatted calf. He celebrated his presence being there. Folks, he wasn't rewarding bad behavior. He was just doing what good fathers do for their son. Because he knew who he was. He's my son. Now take that and put it into marriage. Our lesson today is what do mates, what do spouses deserve 
Take that and translate that over. What if husbands and wives treated each other like this? In other words, this is my wife. I'm going to treat you like my wife. This is my husband. I'm going to treat you like my husband. You see, the father in the story of the prodigal son treated this prodigal like a son because he was his son. I think there's a little verse that applies here found in the book of Matthew, chapter 17, or 7, verse number 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Sometimes we refer to that passage as the golden rule. Now, husbands, we need to be the husband that our wife deserves, regardless of what our wife does or does not do, because she is your wife. Not some woman, not someone you know that, that has just moved into your house. She is your wife. Wives, be the uh, wife that your husband deserves, regardless of what he or she does, not or because he is your husband. Like the father treated the son, that's how we are to treat one another as husband and wife. As we get ready to close this lesson this morning, here's what I want you to think about. Brother Eric Owens, he was assigned the topic of uh, uh, more than the minimum, your mate deserves your best. It was at PTP, Polishing the Pulpit, in 2017. And at the beginning of the lesson, he defined his words, uh, the, the words in his topic. He said the word more means a greater or additional amount or degree. The word minimum means the least or smallest amount, quantity or quality possible, the least attainable or required. Talked about the word mate. He said the mate is your spouse. The word deserves means to be worthy of, qualified for, to have a claim to. The word best, when used as an adjective, Brother Owen said, means of the most excellent or effective. When used as an adverb, it means to the highest degree or most. When used as a noun, that which is most excellent, outstanding, or desirable. And then what he did was to sum all of that up. You have it on the screen. Here's what he said. Your spouse is worthy, fit, or has claim to a greater degree than the least attainable or required. Instead, they have a claim to the most excellent, the highest degree, the most outstanding you can give. Think about that in regard to our lesson today. When your wife or your husband is angry, what's the best that you can give? Certainly not anger in return, is it? When your husband or your wife is being stubborn, what's the best that you can give? What, what's the most excellent that you can give? Stubbornness is not excellent. God doesn't think that or call that good. 
When your husband or your wife is being surly, what, what is, you know, just to be the, the least attainable is, is not to give a half eye roll. You know, they roll their eyes and you just only do it halfway. Think about that in any situation of life, in any part of your marriage. Brother Eric, in his lesson, he used that at the very beginning. He said, that's, that's an easy thing to do. And then he spent the rest of his 45 minutes in talking about what it means to do your best. And how sometimes we think our best is not really our best. And so if you ever want to listen to that, that's a good lesson. But what I'm suggesting to you this morning is what our, our spouse, our husband or our wife deserves is for us to be the kind of husband or wife that God says we are to be. And when we pattern our life, when we pattern our marriage after what God says that a husband is to be or what God says that a wife is to be, no matter what you do, you have done the right thing and the good thing. And I'm convinced that if that were the case, if both husbands and wives were seeking to do what God says, what God describes as a husband or wife, marriages would be saved. More, 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 and more in our world. There would be more marriages if the Lord blessed us with life that ended, you know, went past 66 years. I've heard of people being married for 84 years. That's a long time. That's still something for Brother and Sister Clayton to, to look forward to, to, to get more years in, almost another 20 years of marriage. But how we react, how we treat our spouse, what our spouse deserves is not always based on what they have done what our spouses deserve is what God says that we are to be. As we close our lesson today, this has not been an evangelistic type lesson. It's a lesson that's been talking about things in our, in, in our own life, sort of looking inward and sort of looking outward toward our wife as well. But it may be that you're not the person that you need to be. And I would suggest to you today you're not if you're not a Christian you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, how can you have a Christian home? Maybe you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins this very day. Well, everything is ready. And we would love to assist you with that. If that is your desire, that's your need today. Maybe you're here and having become a Christian, you're still not what you need to be. You haven't reacted in the right way. Maybe you need to make things right with your husband and wife, or wife. Get things back on track at home. Be what they deserve. It's not always doing what they deserve. Be what they deserve. But if you need to respond to the Lord in a public way for some sin that may be in your life, His invitation is always open. If you need to respond, come right now. As together we stand.